Hey folks, Rob Pease here with a different kind of episode today, one that requires your involvement. Our year-end top 10 list of guest insights from this year's Purple Principle podcast. It's been a rough year to say the least, starting with Stop the Steal, leading to the January 6th insurrection, waves upon waves of COVID, including now, as we produce this episode, the fast-spreading Omicron variant. The U.S. now averaging 116,000 new cases per day. Number of infections is doubling every two or three days. Omicron has been detected in over two dozen countries. And like that wasn't enough, the highest inflation rate in decades. Americans are now paying more for shelter, food, fuel. Inflation rates not seen in nearly 40 years. Inflation is affecting people's lives. Interesting times, probably a bit too interesting. And the question is, which of these 10 Purple Principle guest insights speaks most strikingly, not just to the news of the moment, but the ongoing challenges we face as a democratic society? We need your opinion on this, and we'll announce the top choice on our next episode with listener comments as well. And believe me, it was not easy to whittle down to just 10 guest insights. There were literally dozens of great ones. So please consider the nominees closely, then go to our website, purpleprinciple.com, to cast your vote for the top insight of 2021. Let's get right into it then with an excerpt from our episode entitled, What's Behind Those Red and Blue Maps? A real city mouse versus country mouse divide in our politics. Tell me a bit more about that urban-rural divide. The divide between red and blue may be deeper than ever, but in our county, the drive between the two is only 20 minutes. Here's insight number one from Harvard University political geographer Ryan Enos, author of The Space Between Us. What we can see is that even within cities, you'll see that Democrats and Republicans separate from each other. They live in distinct places. And what surprised us even more is if you go down to even smaller levels in those cities, if you go down to neighborhoods within the same city, you'll see that Democrats and Republicans tend to separate from each other a little bit, even within the same neighborhood. They don't live in the same places. And it's something that we think really demands understanding what's going on. Because as we started this conversation with, when people live separate from each other, but close by, it really really increases these feelings of animosity. And it seems like we have that going on between partisans, even in neighborhoods. Pretty amazing, right? And a little frightening. These not-so-United States aren't just red states versus blue states, or city mouse versus country mouse. We Americans are actually polarizing right down into our neighborhoods. Next clip. From a neighborhood like yours, let's zoom out for a more planetary viewpoint and the great documentary Behind the Curb on the astounding popularity of the Flat Earth Movement featuring Flat Earth celebrity Mark Sargent. In reality, you are actually in a giant planetarium slash terrarium slash soundstage slash Hollywood backlot that is so big that you and everyone you know and everyone you've ever known never figured it out. Filmmakers Daniel Clark and Nick Andert aren't just technically accomplished. They're really astute social observers. Here's producer and editor Nick Andert with insight number two. I personally feel, at least after working on this project for so long, that 
the internet's enabled confirmation bias to such a degree where you can search out an opinion that agrees with you before you have to face or you know contend with any countervailing information so i mean let's say you know if you were in some small town in nebraska in the 1970s and you said i think the earth is flat chances are everyone around you is going to be like it's not now if you come up with an idea or if you see something and you think oh that sounds like that could be true the first thing you do when you search on the internet just basic human psychology you're probably not looking for proofs that it's wrong you're probably looking for things to prove that it's right i mean you see it with QAnon, obviously of like there's this giant cabal that's holding us back or when you can sort of become someone very important in like some sort of fights where you can create a worldview in which you are fighting the good fight you're important you're purpose is suddenly meaningful then that's extremely attractive to people if only conspiracy theories could just kind of bounce around on the internet and then die but they sure don't they get weaponized by populist politicians they percolate in the real world and our democracy suffers the consequences it wasn't always this way though and in our first episode of season two which we called portrait of the arsonist as young man Princeton historian Julian Zelizer profiled a political leader from the 1980s who very deliberately and decisively pushed our politics in this more combustible direction. The gentleman will state his inquiry. I would inquire of the parliamentarian in the chair. Once the speaker has said the vote is closed and all time has expired, and that is on this tape, we have it on the videotape. Once that has been done, how can it be reopened? Yep, you guessed it, Newt Gingrich. That's the young Congressman Gingrich working to undermine the Speaker of the House, Jim Wright, back in 1987. Two years later, these escalating attacks would force Speaker Wright to resign. That's the main event in Zelizer's New York Times notable biography of Gingrich entitled Burning Down the House. Here's insight number three from Dr. Julian Zelizer. When Tea Party Republicans stormed into town after the 2010 midterms election with the nihilistic view of government as well as their insistence of doing whatever was necessary to bring down the status quo, and Donald Trump shocked the nation by winning the 2016 election against one of the most experienced public servants in modern political history, all of them had a debt to the anti-establishment conservative populism pioneered by Newt Gingrich that shaped an entire generation of Republicans. The right scandal was the beginning of this end, and its shadow looms large and grows longer with each passing day. How do we elect politicians like Newt Gingrich who have little interest in legislation or compromise or really anything but partisan division and their own re-election in mind? Our next guest explains that incentives have a lot to do with it. Catherine Gale co-authored The Politics Industry with renowned strategist Michael Porter. She's also the founder of the Institute for Political Innovation. Insight number four from Catherine Gale. You know that song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places? If I could sing, I would sing that, which is in a sense, we're looking for a fix to our politics in all the wrong places. The real place to look is at the incentives that are driving 
the behavior and therefore the results that we're getting, or in most cases, not getting out of, for example, Congress. It's the only industry I can think of where those people in the industry playing that game, their jobs and their revenue in the politics industry are the ones that make the rules that govern that industry. The politicians are the ones that, in most cases, dictate and create the rules of how the elections are run. And so they keep altering the rules and setting them in a way that benefits their own private organizations in there, their consulting firms, their media firms, their campaign firms, et cetera. And those people keep doing better and better while the customers are doing worse and worse. And speaking of customers doing worse and worse, how about the COVID treadmill we're all anxiously riding while variants outreplicate our race to be fully vaccinated? This next insight is from an expert on the misinformation that tragically slows that effort. Dr. Janine Guidry, director of the Media and Health Lab at Virginia Commonwealth University, presents insight number five. I think that's one of the interesting things is that vaccine hesitancy comes from different perspectives. And it's because people have different concerns. Are they concerned it was developed too quick? Are they concerned that there is a microchip in it, that the government's going to get into youth via the vaccine? Are they concerned that it may cause infertility? It doesn't. But is that something they're concerned about? There's all these different things. And I think one of the most important things is finding out what are someone's concerns and addressing those and not trying to address every concern with every person without having any idea what may be their greatest fear about this vaccine. Anti-vaxxers, flat earthers, science deniers. There are a lot of conspiracies and conspirators out there today, some of which evolve into full-blown cults on and offline. Dr. Stephen Hassan was recruited into a cult at a young age. He's been a student of cult mentalities and respected cult therapist ever since. Author of the 2019 book, The Cult of Trump, here's Stephen Hassan with insight number six. I also want to just say a bunch of people that I've talked to who are QAnon people were Bernie people. They were Democrats, they were liberals, they were progressives, and they didn't like Hillary Clinton. They bought into the disinformation and whatever, and then they got recruited into QAnon. So I think the most important frame isn't left or right anymore. I think the most important frame is authoritarianism versus democracy and pro-human rights. So many forces pulling us apart. Maybe at least some shared culture and entertainment can keep Americans together. Rod Lurie is a West Point graduate turned Hollywood creator and director mining the recurrent themes of political and military leadership. Featured in our Hollywood President series, Rod was the first TV creator to explicitly cast an independent president played by Gina Davis in Commander-in-Chief. This is insight number seven from Rod Lurie on the challenge today of reaching a mass audience within a polarized nation. It has made it extraordinarily difficult. And you can just look at, at popular culture and you can see how the polarization has affected ratings. So that's really what you're talking about. You're talking about what kind of audience can we reach? I say part of it, certainly not all of it, but part of it is due to the fact that you know, there are a lot of the hardcore Trump types who say, I'm just not going to watch these liberal ass 
schools, you know, lecture me on how to live my life or tell me who I should be. And so they tune out. I'm not even sure if Trump is a conservative uh, per se, but, but certainly there is a polarized group that will refuse to watch certain bits of entertainment. And so, yeah, it, it absolutely it should affect you if you want to reach a wide audience. Insight number eight is a bit more personal, coming from one of the most refreshingly civil political podcasts out there today, Pantsuit Politics. We interviewed the co-creators, co-hosts, and close friends, Sarah Stewart-Holland and Beth Silvers, in our episode, Amazing Grace for Our Polarized Times. Here's Beth Silvers with insight number eight. I think I will start with the premise that I think it's really hard to know what moderate means here in 2021. There are so many issues where I think it is um, where I would consider myself as having not a moderate viewpoint. Criminal justice reform, for example, I'm I'm quite extreme in my views about criminal justice reform. But then I have views that are probably extreme on other issues that would be thought of as more to the to the right than that. So I think moderate is a hard word, but I take your point that people who have some malleability, people who are interested in evidence versus sort of um, ideologues, I tried for a while to see my place in the Republican Party, and I just couldn't find it for now. And that's hard. I, I wish that weren't true. Can indie-minded Americans help bridge our partisan divide? That's one of the questions which kicked off and still frames this podcast of ours, The Purple Principle. Independents have been attempting to do that for many decades now, going back at least as far as the presidential candidacies of John Anderson in 1980, then Lenora Filani in 1988. We spoke to author and historian Dr. Omar Ali about Lenora Filani and many other independent Black American leaders throughout our nation's history. Up next is Dr. Ali from our episode entitled Liberty and Justice for Some with insight number nine. I love that quote. I love that. So she said that basically, yeah, right after, you know, she was asked by, you know, was it more difficult, Dr. Flynn, to run as, a, as an African-American or as a black candidate or as a woman? And she thought, and she responded, actually being an independent because, which is incredible, right? And the reason why is because the laws have been designed to exclude independence, regardless of color, race, whatever. But we have to push back on that uh, to be more philosophical, to be more playful, to be more open to working with people who we don't agree with on many issues, but we might agree with on the issues of process and inclusion. That's an important thing, and that's the founding of this country. No taxation without representation is a call to arms around political process, not just around the narrow idea of taxation. It's about the representation and inclusion. So I think that that is at the heart of the best of what our country has to offer the world, and we should bring that out more. We promise this final insight will prove worth the wait. Thomas Edsall of the New York Times is one of the most unusual and exceptional mainstream commentators out there today. He cites as many as 10 major scholars and studies in his weekly column that often focuses on our polarization. Edsall has been watching that chasm open up in U.S. politics for half a century now, first for the Washington Post, then the New York Times. Insight number 10 from Thomas Edsall. 
Well, you know, I think even though the Republicans are sort of the aggressors in pushing the polarization issues because they work for them, the wedge issues of race, culture, and so forth have generally been ones that Republicans have found profitable on election day. I think the burden is on Democrats. To explain that, I think the Democrats remain a rational party, and the Republican Party has become an irrational party. If you want to preserve democracy, and democracy in a two-party system has very hard time surviving in a polarized context, the burden then falls on the rational party to do something to lessen it. And I think the Democratic Party should take steps to reduce the sense of threat that it poses to many Republicans, to just try to turn the temperature down. Will that temperature turn down even a little bit in 2022? Or will it heat up further with primaries coming soon, then general elections next November? In the meantime, let us know which of these 10 guest insights of 2021 speak most powerfully to you on our challenges. Please click the link in our show notes or jump directly to our website to cast your vote. You may also leave an audio memo with additional comments, feedback, and suggestions. We'll be highlighting the results as well as listener comments on our next episode, which features Sarah Longwell. She's a lifelong conservative and Republican now working to push back on the many disturbing trends in her party as executive director of the Republican Accountability Project. Especially if you think that the Republican Party is as dangerous as we do, then you really are rooting for the Democrats to build a broad coalition. And that's not what's happening at the moment. And so I think that we have to have like a clear voice about what we imagine for the country and some of what that means on policy and on posture. Yeah, I think that's a lot of the evolution. Thanks for joining us on this final episode of 2021 and for sharing the Purple Principle with any and all whose sanity might be helped by it. We live in such an us-versus-them time, yet we're all in this together. Let's hope more Americans come to that realization in 2022. Meantime, Happy New Year from all of us here on the Purple Principle team, myself and co-host Jillian Youngblood, Allison Byrne on production and audience engagement, the audio guru who prefers the title audio engineer, Kevin A. Klein, Dom Scarlett and Grant Sharrett, research associates, Emma Trujillo, audio associate, who alas is moving on. Congratulations, Emma, on your new gig. Music as always by the very talented Ryan Adair Rooney. The Purple Principle is a Fluent Knowledge production. 